listening to Artspend on Sination with myself, Christian, this afternoon, and I'm uh, very pleased to be joined here in the studio today by Joanna B. Kelly, the um, director of uh, a film called The Gateway Bug, which is uh, about to screen in this year's um, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. So thanks so much for coming in. Yeah, jo, pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Great to have you in. Um, yeah, so could you just yeah tell us a little bit about The Gateway Bug to start off with, like from first inspiration to yeah where it's at today? Sure. Basically... I'm a production designer by trade, so Mm. I had just wrapped a film in LA, a horror film that I'd been working in the art department on, when Cameron, who's my co-producer, we created this film together, suggested we go visit some friends of his in Santa Barbara to relax after the film. And while we were there, we hung out with an old friend of his, Tyler Isaac, a marine biologist and one of the main characters of our film. And over a brunch, Tyler told us all about his eco-entrepreneurship program that he was doing at UCSB. It's a program that is a thesis where you have to identify an ecological problem. His was the overfishing crisis on planet Earth right now, and then try to create a business that's sustainable that addresses that problem. So basically, we're currently fishing wild fish to feed to farmed fish, when farmed fish are supposed to be relieving the wild fisheries. It's illogical. (laughs) So he figured out that fish also eat insects and we could be feeding these fish insects, which are far easier to raise. They have everything you need, you know, great protein, fiber, calcium, iron, all the essential amino acids. And that's what his business was. And we were like, oh, that's brilliant, you know. And then he went on to say, yeah, well, actually, insects are a great feed for everything, not just fish, because we currently are putting fish into dog food and all kinds of pet food. And obviously humans eat it. But insects are a great ingredient in general. Raising them is far better than the current, you know, corn, soy and cattle that we use. They take up far less land, water. They release less methane than pig and cattle. And it's just a genius idea. And by the end of brunch, we're like, wow, that's amazing. We've never heard of this. We bet heaps of people haven't heard of it. We should probably make a documentary. Hmm. So it was like documentary was the, was that the first thing you leapt to after that? Like people need to hear about this? Yeah. Yeah. I think as filmmakers, you know, that's how we like to talk. It's kind of like an artist probably would have painted a a Mm. series or a musician might have written a song, but we're filmmakers and we're like, we want to tell everybody this story. Let's make a film about it. Nice, yeah. And um, this was your directorial debut, wasn't it? Yeah, so. It's true, yeah. As mm. I was saying, I'm usually a production designer, so I've done seven feature films in the art department, designing sets and managing props and creating the aesthetics of it. I did interior design at RMIT. That's what my master's is in. And prior to that, I was an exhibition designer. So the transition wasn't that hard. I worked on so many films that I got to know everybody's role, as you do in that um, collaborative environment. And... I really think film is one of those things that you don't have to go to school for. If you do enough on-the-floor work and you help everybody and help other departments and are humble and ask questions, you can really learn on-the-job quite quickly. And by the you know third year that I'd been filmmaking... I I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to take on some more roles, which is lucky because Cameron and I made this doc just the two of us. So we did everything from pre-production to post-production. Right now we're in the midst of distribution negotiations. So I was just telling a friend I'm basically like a lawyer right now because all we're doing is negotiating contracts with lawyers. Mm, No, it was... (laughs) 
I don't know if that was something you pictured yourself like no, doing. <laughs> it's not. And yeah. honestly, like, it's not what I think any filmmaker looks forward to. Mm. I think it's the business end. And I think film, a lot more than any other industry, is 50% creative, 50% logistics and business. Mm. Yeah, so like a quite a steep learning curve, was it? Like Absolutely. Yeah. E- mm. Absolutely. Every film has been a steep learning curve. The first feature I was on, I didn't want anyone to know it was my first feature because I was a set decorator and you're sort of supposed to work your way up a bit more and start as a PA, maybe an art assistant, move to a props assistant, move to set dresser. Like there's a whole tier. And because of my background and my academic experience, these guys were like, well, this is an easy job for you. You know, I managed million-dollar exhibition design projects at the NGV for six years before I went into film so I had the skills and people were very prepared to give me those opportunities but you know my first day on set somebody handed me a walkie-talkie and I was like oh uh not sure this is working and I got them to switch it on and that's how I learned to switch on a (laughs) (laughs) walkie-talkie Uh, also, so was that your first day on set for um, Get Way Bug or your first day no, on No, no, first day on A set. It was a film Ooh. called The Opposite Sex. It stars Mina Savari and Jeff Stoltz and Keenan Thompson, and it's like a rom com that was shot in Rhode Island. Mm. Oh, nice. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So, what was it like? Because, you know, of, of all the films that I guess that you could direct as your first one, like, what was it like to have Gateway Bug? Both because you would have involved at every stage, but also because of, like, the subject matter and, yeah. Well, I think documentaries are a cool way to make a movie. There's, to me, it felt like a lot less pressure. We didn't have to come up with a big budget. We didn't have to hire a huge crew. We didn't have to manage catering and hotels and it was just Cameron and I really and sometimes an extra sound guy sometimes an extra camera girl you know our close friends are all filmmakers so if we needed extra hands on set we'd sort of hire them for a day and it's always fun being able to hire your friends and give them work because the film industry is kind of tough and I think it was just really a journey for both Cameron and I was both of our first films as producers so we really just started at the beginning without any concept of how to finish making a film or sell a film and we just have crossed each bridge as we got to it we shot for about a year just fitting our interviews in between our other paid jobs and our other movies and tv shows and whatnot that we were working on and then after a year we're like wow we've got hundreds of hours of footage we should probably stop shooting and start trying to edit And um, then we edited for six months or so. We created sort of our story arc and we started building our characters and our plot lines and stuff. And then all this stuff happened. (laughs) At the end of the movie, I can't reveal it, but a lot of Mm. things changed suddenly and dramatically. And so we had to go out and shoot again because we had to capture this stuff. Like it's a perfect ending to the film and pretty intense moment in all of those guys' lives. And so we went out and we shot and we're like, brilliant, we have our dramatic ending now we can work backwards and just keep going yeah wow and so is, is that quite common really with like with documentaries like the the sort of um like the narrative is shaped in like post-production and i yeah. have no idea what's common because <laughs> this is my first doc but yeah. i do think from the the docs that i love and the stories mm. that i've read about them the best documentaries tend to happen organically that way mm. and it's really about the capturing and the documenting rather than some documentaries people set out with a real thesis that they're trying to prove whereas we set out with just a bunch of questions that we were curious we didn't know what the answers were we weren't trying to preempt what our film would be about Hmm. so who were the first sort of uh, i'm hoping this is like 
a little bit of something you can reveal r- rather than like the mm-hmm. ending of the whole thing. <laughs> um, the first people you went to and um, and yeah, maybe some people who like gave you some answers to questions that then, you know, sparked more questions and sort of snowballed from there. Yeah, totally. Well, Tyler Isaac, who I was saying, he like introduced us to the whole concept of all of this. And he was the one that really inspired us to make the film. And funnily enough, he was the first person we shot because obviously we knew him and he said he'd be in the film. And at the time, we thought that he would be the main character and the film would kind of be about him. As he's a friend of ours and when he had told us all this stuff, it was really exciting and he was really thrilling. And then, as many documentary makers will find out, when we put the camera on him, he just became really deadpan and monotone and all his enthusiasm was gone. And we were like, wow, this footage is not making a, a main character. And it was just weird, I guess, you know, people get shy when they've got a mic on them and a camera on them and it lights and it's kind of intense. But he did end up being a main character because his story is so compelling. But he introduced us to a few other people. We did a lot of Google research. So I'm a real research nerd and anything I'm interested in, I end up just in YouTube holes and Wikipedia holes and jumping from page to page of figuring stuff out and we ask a lot of questions and so one of the sort of more controversial people was Dr. Sunny Ramaswamy who's the head of the National Institute for Food and Agriculture at the USDA and we asked him a bunch of questions and I sort of felt like he dodged some and we were really excited to get the USDA because we thought they were such an authority I guess. Mm. What does the USDA stand for sorry? United States Department of Agriculture and then After talking to him, I did a bunch of research and then I was like, oh, like maybe I had glorified the USDA in thinking that they're this great entity when really, you know, they're a government entity and I think there's always a bunch of conflict inherent in government institutions. And so we actually wanted to go back. I was like, you know what, I'm going to press him on these questions. I feel like he, I felt kind of like I'd you know, he's a a slick politician. He, He answered questions in a very accurate way but to me it felt like maybe he dodged some of them and we were nervous of course too because especially in the current climate American politics you know it's more risky I think than it used to be to challenge those people and we were quite nervous that they were just going to shut our film down but nevertheless we went back to Washington DC and he was nice enough to see us a couple of times and he's been incredibly supportive and he didn't dodge the questions and we got some real really interesting answers out of him. Oh, that's good. So, um, yeah, I guess and this is getting quite meta now, given that this is an interview. But um, how, how do you feel like working on um, Gateway Bug has sort of enhanced your yeah interviewing skills and questioning skills? Yeah, um, I think the best interviewers are just curious people, and mm. so I've, I'm a born curious person, like I was saying. And I feel like uh, the interview process is just another extension of being a research nerd. You're just constantly searching for more information and trying to flesh out what your understanding of something is. And I think people that like documentaries are the same sorts of people. They want a better understanding of something. So I'm not sure if anything's improved. Um, In terms of technique, I did learn to take notes while I do interviews because I used to just have a printed out sheet and I'd sit there. But then when they're saying something really interesting that I want to explore, you know, you get sidetracked and then you have to make a decision. Do I stick to what's on my interview sheet or do I just follow this train of thought? And you've got to sort of juggle getting the answers that you need to 
flesh out the film as as you've sort of started that character's role and what you need from them mixed with but they might be about to say something really interesting if we go a bit further on this so I think taking notes was the thing I learned to do that I didn't know in the beginning Mm, right and getting back to the the issue I suppose of the yeah Mm -hmm. of the whole documentary because I I remember from the trailer um just in the trailer even there was a brief mention of how like this isn't really anything you know new like having an insect uh it's not like a something that's been thought of just in the last 10 years. No, um, absolutely. Yeah. Two billion people on Earth eat insects, so it's mm. not new at all. It's new to Westerners, and that's it. They're the only people not eating insects. Mm. And the reality is they are eating insects. Everybody eats insects every day. They swallow them in their sleep. There is a certain allowable level of insects in all sorts of food, like peanut butter and pasta and coffee, because mm. you can't keep them out. Bugs are everywhere. But um, it's funny how squeamish some people are. And one of my favorite things about having made the film, we've done, um, I think, seven film festivals so far, seven or eight. I'm losing track now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we always like to hand out edible insects at the screening. And people going in the audience, at least 30 to 50% are like, oh, no thanks. And I'm always surprised. I'm like, oh, that's funny. You'll come see a film on it, but you don't want to try it. And then at the end of the film, we usually do a Q&A because that's what happens at film festivals. And 100% of people put their hands up and want to try it. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Like, I feel like our film is changing people's perceptions and their understanding and their acceptance of trying something new. I think it makes them braver. And it's not that scary a thing if you're the last people on earth not doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's true. Yeah, it's quite a... I, I suppose there's lots of sort of revelations that would be great if uh, the Western part of the world had, but yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's one. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing of the hmm. film. The eating of insects is kind of our hook, but the gist of the whole film is to really address the current problems with our industrialised food complex, the current problems with our diet. You know, obesity and diabetes are epidemics killing Westerners in droves. Heart disease is one of the biggest up there, and it's often diet related and so if we can look at why we're killing ourselves with diet and why we're killing the planet I think it goes a long way to sort of making a better humanity and a better world in future generations and that's what the film's about. Mm, wonderful because yeah obviously like it, it's very based in America this production and um, a lot of the people who oh, I think like seem to be like all sort of your interviewees are yeah it's mm-hmm, the American there's a few Canadians yeah. oh yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, you're, you're talking about like the the Earth here as well. So exactly. I guess for um, yeah Australia or even Melbourne specifically, yeah, what, what do you think the sort of relevance is? Well, I think yeah. the relevance is the American diet is the Western diet. You mm. know, that's unfortunately or fortunately, depending what what you think, it really has influenced really heavily. I mean, there are all these films out right now about it: Cowspiracy, What the Wheat, you know, that sugar film, and all of those movements or those pushes have come out of America, have come out of politics, have come out of lobbying. And they certainly haven't come about from chefs or farmers or health professionals. They've come about from lobbyists and corporations. And I think that that says a lot about how we've ended up in this dire state of affairs. And I think that it absolutely applies to anybody living in the West. Mm, Beautiful. Well, um, Thanks so much, Joanna. Um, were there any uh, yeah, last things you wanted to say about Get Bug or your next uh, directorial project? Well, we've got a bunch of 
things on the go right now, but in the film industry, you can never talk about anything. Mm. Uh, so I guess I'll just say that people should come check out the film. It's on at Cinema Nova this Sunday, the 16th at 3pm. Great. Thanks so much. And um, yeah, best of luck with the um, the rest of the distribution of the film. And um, yeah, those, of course, you can't talk about them, but very excited to find out what they will be, yes, in the future. Thanks, Thanks. very much. Thanks for having me.